This Jets season to forget finally comes to an end on Sunday when they take on the 6-9 Patriots in Foxborough. Will the Jets win their third straight game? Is this officially the end of the Adam Gase era? Is it the last game of the Sam Darnold era? We preview the game and make our picks. We also chat with a Jets defensive lineman who has been dominant against the run. It's Queens native Foley Fatukasi. All that, plus Brian's book, Stump the Cause, and more next on a Happy New Year edition of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. to gangs all here we're, we're coming up on the end of the year the start of 2021 for many and especially for the jets the calendar flipping couldn't come at a better time i mean i think everyone is sick of 2020 it's jake brown and brian costello at jake brown radio at brian cos give us a five-star rating write in a nice review on apple podcast catch up on all the episodes from this season all the great guests that we've had Make sure you go back and listen to old episodes as the end is near, Kaz. And uh, we'll talk with Foley Fatukasi, the Jets defensive lineman, one of the best uh, run uh, defenders on that Jets defensive line, one of the best in the NFL. We'll join us later in the show. We'll get Brian's book. We'll have stumped the Kaz. All of that, the Jets and the Patriots, the season finale coming. But uh, we'll get into that in a few minutes. But Kaz, so glad this uh, 2020 is about to come to an end. I'm, I know the Jets are glad. You're glad. I think the whole world is glad that we're kind of uh, turning the page here. Yeah, well, let's hope 2021 <laughs> is better, Jake. I, I, I'm i worried we're going to have a rough few months to start 2021 you know, in the world with pandemic and everything. Hopefully we get past that soon. In terms of the Jets, I think I've said for a while now, I really, as bad as this season has been, I think you're in store for a good like eight months of hope and optimism, even though Trevor Lawrence is no longer part of that. Uh, I think Jets fans are going to be excited about having a new coach. And to me, if that new coach comes in and doesn't kill any kittens during his opening press conference, he'll get off to a better start with the fans than Gase did. And they got a lot of money to spend in free agency. They've got a lot of draft picks. So to me, you know, if they finish two and 14 or three and 13, all the, all the new coach has to do is come in and provide a little bit of optimism put a couple phrases together and Jets fans are going to be excited about him. I think you look at the Giants, Jake, and what Joe Judge has been able to do this year. I mean, they won five games, but everyone acts like, you know, my God, Joe Judge is the greatest coach ever because it's kind of a similar situation. People didn't like Pat Shermer there. The bar, is, bar was low and the bar with the Jets right now is about as low as it can be. Yeah, on Blue Rush podcast, you know, everyone's salivating. But, yeah, five wins, yet the Giants are in a position to win the division. Unfortunately, two wins for the Jets is not getting them into any kind of playoff spot. They're not in, they're in the AFC East where Alex's Dolphins are looking to uh, get into the playoffs, and the Bills have locked that division up over there. But, Kaz, you talked about a new coach. Now, you've been saying essentially for weeks now, you said it on the show the other day, 99.9% chance Gase is out. It's pretty much a lock. He's not the coach. There was a report that circulated out by an unnamed person uh, that came out on Tuesday, and Adam Gase said it was kind of news to him that uh, he was going to be gone on Monday. He says he he never heard anything about that, but uh, if you want to clarify what, what that's all about. Yeah, I mean, obviously Gase is going to be fired. I don't think that's breaking news. Everyone's known that for weeks, but you know, the idea that the Jets have told Adam Gase that he's going to be fired is incorrect. I don't know why they would do that 
and then have to say, okay, you're fired, but we'd like you to coach this last game. So, you know, we're kicking your, your butt out the door, but get that, get the troops fired up. Let's, let's go come up with a game plan to face Bill Belichick's Patriots. So they haven't told him anything yet. He's still in the dark. I think Adam Gates knows he's not a dumb guy. He knows he's getting fired. Uh, you know, and we should get the official word. I would think either Sunday night or Monday morning and the uh, coaching search can begin. And we'll have the Adam Gase is fired podcast for Jets fans. For me, it'll be kind of a celebration of sorts. You know, we'll have the new year on, what is it, Friday, and then Monday will be Black Monday. So they should really have Black Monday sales on Amazon or something. Like, I don't know, get Jets jerseys for like 90% off. I don't know, some kind of sale to get us a discount here. Uh, There's Cyber Monday, there's Black Friday. I don't know why Black Monday. Uh, Maybe the NFL shop will... uh, We'll uh, do some kind of clearance sale there. But finally, it's it's coming to an end. And, and guys, it's a weird week because it's the first time that Jets fans essentially since what, like week nine, week eight, that they're rooting for them to win kind of because a, a loss means nothing. A win means nothing. So why not just go win a game? Why not be Bill Belichick's Patriots? Why not see Cam Newton mad? It's a bizarre feeling to go in. And listen, if they lose, it doesn't matter either. But it's a bizarre feeling to be like, all right, I'll watch this game and I'll root for my team to win. It's it's strange that it's been this long, but in this year full of bizarre things happening, uh, it's not su- surprising at this point. Yeah, I wrote a column, Jake, this week saying that. like, Finally, Jets fans can kind of be united because I've heard from, Jeff, from Jeff, some Jets fans that have been rooting for them all along, but I think the majority have been like you and rooting for the draft pick and hoping, you know, once they got to 0-9, 0-8, 0-9, that they were going to go 0-16 and get Trevor Lawrence. So now, you know, sit back and enjoy rooting against the Patriots. I think, I don't know if there's anyone who didn't enjoy watching Bill Belichick throw the phone on Monday night in disgust. Uh, This guy's tortured Jets fans for 20 years. And, you know, you got a chance. This is the Jets' best chance to win in Foxborough in a long time. They haven't won there, Jake, since January 16th, 2011, when they won the playoff game there. They've lost nine straight up there. And the last few years has been very, very ugly in Foxborough. There was a stretch there where they played some tough games there. Not lately. You've had Bryce Petty start twice in Foxborough. Todd Bowles' last game was in Foxborough. Uh, Last year, Luke Falk starting against the Patriots. So the Jets, I think, are four-and-a-half-point dogs, I saw. Uh, that's the lowest points for a Jake they've had since 2010 against the Patriots in Foxborough. So they got shot because the New England's not playing very well. Uh, and, you know, I think Jets fans might might enjoy themselves Sunday. The draft position's locked. Adam Gase is getting fired. There's nothing to worry about. Throw on your Jamal Adams jersey. Oh, wait. Uh, throw on your Leonard Williams jersey. Oh, oh, oh wait. Uh, throw on your <laughs> Sam Darnold jersey for another couple weeks. Oh, God, maybe? no. Please, no. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing to watch. I mean, what if Darnold tears his ACL and then they, they're put in another position? That's like oh, the one thing. Like, God, you are a Jets fan. <laughs> through and through. What well, if Darnold tears his ACL? You never know, man. Come on, man. Come on. Don't <laughs> wish... Don't say that. I know that's Don't terrible. Put that out there. Don't put that out there. Knock on wood. Knock on my wooden desk here. Uh, you know, it's it's weird because a lot of my closet, it's like Laverne's Coles, it's Wayne Corbett, it's all these jerseys, guys like a year after left. It's like you can't even get a jersey anymore. And just sports in general. My advice is always buy the Namath jersey. Yeah. <laughs> buy the Joe Namath jersey. It's safe. It's classic. You know, like the Joe, Joe Namath Rams jersey is a little bit cooler, I think, but you know, the, the name of Jets jersey is safe. Uh, you don't, you Altoon, 
Wesley Walker, you know, those are the jerseys. It, it's like, yeah, it's like the Mets, the same thing happens where it's like, all right, Tom Seaver, the Mike Piazza jersey, and then don't get anyone else because they might be gone in a year or two. It, it's well, a- the Mets have had DeGrom for a long time now, yeah. and David Wright was here for a long time. Well, if Come I get on, one, it's right? going to be quite bad. I'm going to get Pete Alonzo if I get one. We had him on Amazing But True last week, and he is the absolute man, and I hope he's a Met for life. He has that New York grit. And it's kind of what the Jets are missing. Uh, they'll be missing Lamichael Pirine, the Jets, who is the first Jet during the season to get COVID. Cause I'm a little surprised that you know a lot of teams been struck by it in a season where you're losing every week, and you think maybe guys go somewhere and go out a little bit and try to get away. The Jets, it, it took them until week 17. And it's a little bit unfortunate because you wanted to see more of P. Ryan. You didn't get to see a lot of him this year, and this was going to be the game. He was probably going to get like 80, 90% of snaps maybe so you could see into the offseason what you have in him. But he's going to be out, and it could be you know the end of the Frank Gore era because he is out as well. So it's going to be a pretty limited backfield for the Jets, and this could be the end of Frank Gore in the NFL. I don't know if any team's picking him up next year. Yeah, and he got exactly 16,000 career yards with his 48 on Sunday, and I, I talked to a few people in the Jets, and that was like a very meaningful thing inside the Jets' locker room. They, they wanted to get him that 16,000 yards, uh, and that was kind of – they were – celebrating that after the game on Sunday. They were excited about it. And if I, when I watched the game back, I guess they must have shown it on the scoreboard after he got it. And the guys on the sidelines were going crazy around him. So, I mean, Gore... I know Jets fans have gone a little crazy with how much he's gotten the ball and they want to see younger guys, but Gore did have a good impact here. And I do think if Michael P. Ryan does become a good running back in a few years, he'll look back at his time with Frank Gore and talk about what he learned from him. Everyone, you know, Sam Darnold was effusive the other day saying just how hard this guy works. And, you know, you look at him, he's 37 years old and these guys are 22 and 23 and he's out working them. Uh, so I think, you know, he could have a lasting impact on on some of these younger players going going forward. Of course, the game that you don't care what happens with Frank Gore, he can't play. But the game against the Rams, he's got to play and make the catch that makes it lose Trevor Lawrence. It's just funny how this world works where you would have zero issue with him playing in this meaningless game and he won't be there. P. Ryan won't be there. Gun in your head now, is this the last game we see, uh, we see Sam Darnold in a Jets uniform? Gun to my head, uh, yes. I'll go with yes. I, I think when they look at this and evaluate it, and look, Jake, the big unknown here is the coach, right? I mean, he's going to have a huge say in whether Sam Darnold is the quarterback going forward or not. So, you know, we focus on Joe Douglas a lot, but Joe Douglas isn't going to make that decision without the coach having a lot of input. And I think that's probably gonna be a big topic in these coach interviews. But to me, uh, you know, these quarterbacks always rise up the board during the draft season, and I think the Jets will probably fall in love with one of these quarterbacks. And Monday we'll talk about potential coaching options once, you know, Gaze is inevitably fired. We'll look ahead. We'll put the icing on the cake to what has been a miserable season and look ahead to what could be a brighter future with a lot of money to spend, a new coach, you know, new players potentially coming in, the draft picks, a lot of draft picks. There is hope amongst Jets land that next year could be better. Now, we talked with Canizaro. Maybe that's a 500 team. Maybe you think it could be worse. It's not going to be a playoff team, not going to be a championship team. But you just hope there's effort, competition next year, and a team that can maybe win six or seven games. All right. You know, I think the spread might even be down to three. The Patriots only favored by a few points here, Kaz. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Jets. You know what? Screw it. I mean, the game doesn't mean a lot. Cam Newton has just been god-awful. Five passing touchdowns, 10 interceptions in 14 games. He's got 12 rushing touchdowns, which is the most in franchise history. Obviously, when you got Tom Brady for 20 years and Drew Bledsoe, two guys that can't really run, uh, that's going to be the record. Uh, I'm going to pick the Jets here. 20-17, to 17, I think, is going to be ugly. 
But hey, they finished the Adam Gase era and maybe the Sam Darnold era on a three-game win streak, guys. Wow, is that the first time you picked the Jets all year, Jake? I, I think so. This is the first time. Maybe week one. I don't. Probably not week. Did you one. pick them to beat the Broncos. That was a week where people thought they might win against the Broncos. You pick them then. I don't. We'll have to go back to the tape. I don't, I don't think I've ever picked them. So if I, I might have because it was Rippy and starting. I might have thought that because the, and that was so early in the year we didn't know how bad this team really was. So yeah, that yeah, might we be had the week. an inkling, but the Broncos were bad too at the time, and Rippy was starting right, but. So, you know, if you're picking the Jets, I'm definitely picking the Patriots because now, like, you're on board. Like, that's the kiss of death. Uh, I just – I like, I've been – I was stunned at how the Jets came out Sunday against Cleveland. I thought they kind of were – expended everything they had against the Rams. I just don't – you know, I, I don't see how they keep this up. Uh, I also think the Patriots will see the Jets and somehow figure things out again. They're not going to look as bad as they did against the Bills, who are a good team. So I'm not sure what my score is yet, Jake, but I think the Patriots will win uh, fairly comfortably. Yeah, I guess it is the kiss of death, me finally picking the Jets. It's truly the apocalypse. It's truly the end of 2020, which for me, it's been brutal for everyone. But I've, I've enjoyed the podcast here. I've enjoyed expanding. You know, we've added a Nets podcast, Full Court on Flatbush. We got Kerry Kittles and Robin Lumberg on there. We got you covered here at the New York Post on the digital end. The uh, the seven podcasts now, all New York sports covered. Let's take a dive into Brian's book one final time for the 2020 season. Do you have any Belichick or Patriots Jets related story? It's actually not Jets related, Jake, but I got a Belichick story for you. So the Super Bowl in 2011, when the Giants, the second Giants Patriots Super Bowl, that was in Indianapolis. And I like basically how the Super Bowl works is I cover the AFC team, especially when, you know, the Giants are in it. Obviously, Paul Schwartz is covering the Giants, but I have AFC duty. So like one thing about Belichick is he's known for these like gruff press conferences, right? Mumbling not answering questions. There's like one time a year though, when Belichick is usually really good in press conferences. And it's the early, early on in Super Bowl week, he's relaxed. He, he answers questions. He gives these long answers. So that year in Indianapolis, he was given all these long answers and seemed pretty happy. And one person even stood up and said, Bill, like, we, you know, you seem so happy right now. What, what's going on? And so he was really good. And then, uh, so I decided to ask a question. And so I asked him, uh, this was 2011, remember, they had not won a Super Bowl since 2004 at that point. They lost to the Giants, the Tyree game, and then this was their next one back. I asked him, uh, in light of Spygate, uh, if all of his Super Bowl wins were tainted, and if he felt like he needed to win this game against the Giants to prove that he could win without cheating. <laughs> yeah, and it was a full ballroom in a hotel. You know, it's the Super Bowl. There, There's probably 200 reporters in there. And... <laughs> About he, he just totally like all the smiles and everything just shut down and he just said we're focused on the Giants and and so uh, this guy Jack Brennan who is the longtime Bengals PR guy he was the guy who walked around with the microphone so he was sitting next to me so as I sat down after I asked the question Jack goes he ain't smiling now <laughs> <laughs> did you ever ask Bill Belichick a question again after that yeah yeah I asked him a question yesterday I asked him yesterday who his quarterback was going to be and he said uh, we'll put him out there um, so you know I don't think Bill remembers that uh, he gets asked a million questions but uh it became a story in boston like that i asked that question and you know they, they wrote about it and i got i got ripped for asking the question and stuff but and i i asked like all the patriots i asked brady the same question um and i remember kevin falk like he wanted to 
kill me. Like he was like, he was going to kill me. And Brady was annoyed that I asked the question, but he was, he answered like whatever. But yeah, there was a few guys like Kevin Falk. I remember I thought this guy might hit me. Have you ever got hit by a player or coach or anything? I've never been hit. Um, you know, the closest anyone ever came was Paula Duca with oh. the Mets. I mean, you want me to tell that story? Yeah, I'm a Mets fan. I'd love to hear about this. Yeah, so I don't know what year this was. Uh, 2007, maybe somewhere in there. And Leduca, um, he had been in some trouble. He'd been in the papers for a couple of things. He, there were some unflattering off-the-field stories written about Paul. So he owned horses. I think he still does, maybe. He owns racehorses. And one of his horses won at Aqueduct. And he posed for a picture in the winner's circle with a woman. Uh, the sports air time, Greg Gallo, called me. I was covering the Mets that night. And he called me and said, you got to find out who this woman is with Laduca. He's like, we're going to run this picture, but we need her name in the caption. So I was like, all right. So I went over to his locker. And this, is new, said, this is a new kind of research for you, guys. <laughs> yeah, I said, Paul, we have this picture of you from Aqueduct today in the winter circle. Who's the woman you're with? So he goes off on me. Like, you know, how dare you ask me that question? It's private business. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of ended. So I went over to Jay Harwitz, the longtime Mets PR guy. And I said, Jay, I'm like, you got to tell your catcher. Like, he's a public person. If he's going to pose for a picture in the Aqueduct Winter Circle with someone, we're going to ask who that person is. So a player heard me. Leduca was Leduca had gone back into the food room at Shea Stadium. But I think Billy Wagner, I'm pretty sure it was Billy Wagner, heard me. And he ran back and told Leduca like I was ripping him or something. So all of a sudden i see laduca flying at me and he's coming to me you think you're tough you think you're tough how about i'm gonna come to your bleeping house i'm gonna take pictures of your wife how about that i'll hide in your bushes and i'll take pictures of your wife you know you think you're a tough guy so i stood with my arms folded behind my back and i just said paul you're a public person you're publicly and he got right in my face and Julio Franco came and dragged him away, dragged him off of like, not off of me. He wasn't on me, but he was in my face, but Julio Franco pulled him away before he hit me or, you know, did anything. Then the funny post <laughs> post-mortem is I didn't write about it. And this was before Twitter. I didn't write about it or anything, but someone from the daily news wrote about it. That infuriated Laduca even more and the next day he came in screaming, you can't even have a private conversation without you guys writing about it, where he was screaming at me in the middle of the clubhouse. It wasn't really a private conversation, but then he was mad at the daily news writer and he and I were fine after that. You know, he got over it, but like, yeah. So that was the closest I ever came to someone hitting me. Cause did you have a good lawyer back then? <laughs> no, no, I did not. <laughs> but man, sometimes you think Jake, boy, if one of these guys hits me, you know, I, I might be able to retire if, if that happens. Yeah, so. I mean, you'd have less years of working than Julio Franco played until he was 97 <laughs> years old. I mean, at that point, yeah. that was towards the end of Julio's career. He might have been 50 then. So he yeah, was well, getting... I think, well, it came out the next year that Leduca was in the Mitchell Report. So, you mm. know, maybe maybe this was a little roid rage yeah. going on. I don't um, know. It might have been. Julio Franco came in, like, on his wheelchair rolling. Stop it! Stop it! Uh, how about that? What a story. All right. Final edition, a great, a, we got a double dose for the finale of Brian's book. You got two books for the price of one. It's like a Barnes and Noble special. Stump the cause, Alex Camerata. Let's see what he's got. This is not a New York Titans themed question. It is a Jets Patriots themed question, right, uh, Alex? Okay. It is. And cause it's pretty recent. I'm not going to tell you the year because that's a part of the question, but it's not a, the Titans. It's the New York Jets. And it okay. has a little something to do with uh, the Jets wide receivers. So the Browns were down five receivers on Sunday, and the Jets responded by having one of theirs, Jamison Crowder, throw a touchdown to Braxton Berrios. That was Crowder's first career pass completion. It was also the Jets' first passing touchdown by a non-quarterback since who? I need the player and 
the year. The year? You need the year too? I'll give you a hint. It was within the decade. How about that? I'll go. I'll go. Brad Smith, 2010. Oh man, I don't know how you continue to get what, this. But who did I, he throw it to? Who did he throw it to? That I don't remember. If you want to add that element, I, Take I, a guess. I would have to. If 2010, he, uh, he threw it to Braylon Edwards. Close. It was Dustin Keller, a three-yard touchdown. Uh, yeah. yeah. Impressive that you still got Brad Smith. Very nice. He was hung up on that. I thought I had him. Now here's another part. You knew what team it was against. Well, did you, was it against the Patriots? Was it? I, <laughs> was it the Dolphins? Was it your Dolphins? Oh, oh Bills. I don't even remember Bills. I don't remember that play. I just I remember Brad Smith. Did Brad Smith have more than one touchdown pass? Not that season. I think eventually he did go on to throw a few, but that yeah, was... I just remember them using him because that was the year they used him as the Wildcat. Yep. Too like after um after Leon Wa- Leon Washington had been their Wildcat guy, and then they then they used him. Uh, they use Brad Smith, so college quarterback. Yeah, Missouri. It was, it was not a. I thought it was Jets Patriots related. I was wrong. I guess it was. Uh, yeah, you threw me off, Jake. You it, said it, Jets sorry Patriots, about that. Yeah, well, I, I don't remember. Record, I don't really remember the play. Casas got me beat on the career numbers. I think this year he might have got me like six or seven times. It's close. We got to so go back. So is that considered wrong because he didn't get Dustin Keller? I guess it's only half right, right? No, no, he didn't ask that. He asked the year and the player. Then he started throwing in. Then you guys started throwing the team. Who did he throw it to? Yeah. I got to try to beat you somehow. Again, before I was on the beat. So, so, I was, so uh, you have gotten yeah, wrong. You got So you got the, uh, what was it, the the other receiver? You said receiver. Name, like six receiver. Yeah, Art Powell. I didn't know. I forgot Art Powell was tied with Don Maynard uh, before Brandon broke the record. And then you missed one. What did he miss? One receiver when you said list six receivers, he missed one guy. I think it was Brad Smith, actually. You missed Brad Smith. He, yep. Yeah. Yes. And ironically, he gets Brad How Smith. How about that? Week. We close out recovering with Brad Smith, making his return. To the season finale of Gangzel here. Gotta love it. All right, joining us next is a Jets defensive lineman from Queens, Foley Fatukasi, right here on Gangzel here. Joining us next on Gangs All Here is a third-year Jets defensive lineman out of the University of Connecticut. That's right, UConn. He's one of the highest-graded run defenders in the NFL this season by PFF. He hails from... The best borough, Far Rockaway, which is in Queens. That's right. Better than Brooklyn, better than freaking Staten Island, anywhere else. He's got 40 tackles, two sacks, two passes defended this season. It's number 94, Folorunzu, or some people call him Foley Fatukasi. Foley, welcome to Gangs All Here. Jake Brown, Brian Costello, happy holidays, happy new year. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing pretty good, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Queens is where all the vibes are at. Queens gets the money. You know this fully. Uh, do, do you miss hanging around Queens? Do you still live in Queens now? Where are you? Right now, I stay I stay close to work. You know, right now, um, my family still lives at home, so I go to go see my family whenever I can. But it's been tough around this time of the year because, you know, because of the pandemic and all the things that are going on. But I still go home as, as often as I could. Foley, Brian Costello here. Um, want, to, want to go back to Sunday with you with the, with the game against the Browns. And I know you probably enjoy getting a fumble recovery. Did you think you had an interception, though, when you when you uh, you caught the ball out of the air? Were you, were you hoping to, to get credited with an INT? Oh, man, I, I did. I did. I, <laughs> I thought it was a pick. I was like, I got my first pick. And then, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, well. You know what I mean? It turned out the way it turned out. You know, I'm so happy for my guy. He got the uh, he got the, the the sack the sack fumble because he knocked it out. I just thought that man, if he didn't touch the ground, I thought it was you know. I guess it doesn't work that way. So 
How does it feel now, Foley? Uh, two straight wins. Now, you missed the first game. You were on the COVID reserve list for the game against the Rams, but you come back and you guys beat the Browns. Two straight wins after, you know, all these losses. I mean, it's got to kind of be a, a weight off your shoulders a little bit. Listen, like I was just telling somebody earlier today that it is already hard enough, you know, to win in this league, and every player in this league will tell you that. That is hard to win in this league. So, obviously, everybody knows the adversities that we've been facing this year. So, to be able to get two wins under our belt, you want to cherish that. Foley, what's been the biggest difference that you've seen for the defense in the last few weeks under Frank Bush? Um, to be honest, the entire year, you know, like I said, we've, we've, we've dealt with a lot as a team the entire year. But one thing that I respected of these guys and what these guys have done throughout the entire season is regardless of the outcome of the game, the work never changed. Meaning each guy still came in to get better. Uh, these guys still tried to take their weaknesses and make them stronger. These guys still tried to build on their strength. These guys still tried to watch a little extra film, and try to get a little bit more, even more in tune with the game plan. So the only thing now is just that even with Coach Bush, you know, him, him stepping in as D.C., the way he's been preparing since he's been here has been the same. He's always tried to get better, you know, and he's always taking his work seriously. So with that being said, you know, it, it worked out for the better now having two wins on our boat. Foley, I, I said Queens gets the money. I mean, you've been getting the money this year. You were ranked, you know, the number one run defender uh, in the NFL by PFF. I mean, do you brush a little dirt off your shoulder? How does that feel to be kind of recognized? Obviously, you still f- uh, fly under the radar, but to be one of the top-ranked guys against the run, do you take a lot of pride in that? Um, Listen, you know, uh, I, I, I give a lot of thanks to those that are, that have been there to support me. And I've given a lot of thanks to those that have given me a lot of knowledge, like Steve McClendon. You know, with my faith, you know, I give thanks to what I know is bigger than me. You understand? So um, with that being said, you know, it was an honor, you know, to be able to be noticed as, you know, a top guy in that category. But for me, that doesn't stop the work. That doesn't stop the preparation. It doesn't allow me to be satisfied. Because I still know within myself that I've still got a lot of growing to do. I still got a lot of football that I need to learn. Having Steve McLendon here for the time that I had him and, you know, him being a big brother to all of us gave me a really good jump start. But I understand that, okay, I still have to take more strides. You know, I've come a certain, I've come a certain distance. How much further could I go? You know, and that's one thing I understand myself. Foley, I got, I got to talk to Steve a lot, you know, in the four and a half years he was here in the locker room. And Steve always had these inspirational sayings he would, he would talk about. And, you know, he, he would talk about, you know, stuff he told his kids that also could just apply to life in general. What, you know, what was the biggest thing you took from Steve, um, either, you know, in terms of football or, or just kind of how to go about being a pro? Uh, listen, I could talk about Steve McLendon all day, man. Like, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot that myself and everyone else that's come across him can say that they've taken a lot from him. I'm talking about as a football player, as a professional, as a friend, as a brother as a mentor, Steve was just, Steve was a very special person, you know? So for me to say here that, I, and then try to, you know, dissect and pick one thing that I've taken from him, uh, that's going to be tough because I've, I've taken a lot from him, you know, because he's given it, he's just given it all to me. Like, here, look, the amount of knowledge, uh, the amount of uplift, there's a lot that I've taken from Steve. Uh, another guy on that defensive line, McClendon is gone, but Quentin Williams is still there. And while he's not a veteran, had a lot of hype coming in. He's played pretty well. What's what's it been like playing alongside Quentin Williams? It's been great playing alongside Q. It's been great playing alongside every guy. Like one thing about you know Q and the rest of the guys is that we always try to figure out a way to get better. Like especially when we're talking, watching film, and we're trying to break certain things down. 
you know, how to communicate and what we're going to do in our game plan. And, and Q is Q is humble, man, and he comes into work and just tries to figure out how to get the best out of himself. And you see it in his play. You know, he comes out and he, he plays hard. And he, he also, him himself, he throws his chip chips up high and sees where it falls, but he's also working towards, you know, a goal. You know, he's working with us. You know, we're all working together. And, you know, Q is a phenomenal teammate and a, and a really and an even better friend. Well, what was the key for you guys Sunday against the Browns? Because, you know, they came in number three rushing offense in the NFL. We all know about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, how good they are. And then they lose a bunch of the receivers to COVID, the COVID list on Saturday. So I thought, okay, here they're going to come out and run the ball a ton. And you guys held them to 45 yards. Just what, what was the key to that effort Sunday against Cleveland? Uh, listen, every, 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 I'd be lying to you to say, you know, that we didn't get the update. We all got the update. But at the end of the day, you know, the one thing we always – the one thing we told ourselves is that, look, go out there, do your assignment, do your job, play hard. Let's see where this thing goes. And that's what each that's what each person did. And, you know, it turned out for the better. Holy Fatukasi is joining us. Follow him on Instagram at Mr. Fatukasi. Um, Foley, have you heard kind of the buzz around the fans? Obviously, there were a lot of fans. I'll, I'll admit I was one of them that wanted Trevor Lawrence, and now that won't happen. But, you know, we feel good that you guys did win a game, win a couple of games, and obviously all the work you put in, I mean, it's a, a relief. But do you hear the buzz? Or do you hear fans saying, oh, tank for Trevor, we want Trevor? Do you hear that noise? I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't, you know. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I mean, like at the end of the day, we come out here to play ball. We come out here to win. So. That noise that you hear, you know, um, you can't really worry about that, you know. It's, it's such a disservice, you know what I mean, to the guys around me. It's a disservice to each other. It's a disservice to the game, you know what I mean, if we don't come out there and give it our all. Fully, uh, I'm not sure if you've thought about the off season yet, but, you know, what's your plans in terms of working out? I don't know with, if COVID's going to affect all this this season like it did last season, but do you have any goals for this offseason of things you want to improve on, things you want to work on? I mean, hopefully hopefully things will COVID clear up so people can move about a little more smoothly. They're like, for me, there's a lot of things I need to grow on. There's a lot of things I need to get better on. I understand that, you know, although I've taken some good strides, there's more strides that I need to take. Like, the, I haven't reached the finish line at all. And I don't. I feel like as a person, if you're always looking to grow, there isn't ever really a finish line. It's a journey. So with that being said, there's a... There's a lot of things, a lot of areas that I know I need to work on and focus on. Going into this offseason, I'm going to try to pinpoint on something each day, so I'll work on that. Do you take a sense of pride in, you know, being a New Yorker? So you're from New York. You go play at UConn, so you stay in the Tri-State, and then you play with the Jets. I mean, you haven't left the Tri-State area. Is there, like, a sense of pride, excitement, and kind of being this local guy and always being close to home since you've been in college? Yeah, nah, I'm not going to lie that. <laughs> yeah, there is. Because, you know, it, it gives it gives people, like, you know, a sense of inspiration that, you know, you can accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. And being from the area, around the area, from being from a quote-unquote, you know, the bottom of the football chain, you know, that's something I've heard always growing up. Uh, there's no football in New York, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, you know, being here at this moment, you know, it's, it's a blessing. I don't know why God set it up that way for me. But he did, and I'm thankful for it, you know. I'm excited by it, and um, I hope I can continue to have more exciting times in this moment. Fully, I don't know, I guess about a month ago or so, I was watching Rutgers-Michigan on a Saturday night, and I see Fadukasi in the Rutgers defensive backfield, and I'm like, I was like, I, I didn't realize that your brother was playing there, and then I saw you had two brothers at, at Rutgers. Yeah, What's it like? man, my <laughs> brother was balling that game. He had a great oh, game, yeah. 
That's why yeah, I, you know, and I, I said that has to has to be Foley's brother. What's it like watching your brothers play play at Rutgers now? It's 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 a great feeling to see my brothers, you know, go and accomplish and get their dreams as well. Because they saw me do it, you know. And I don't know how much longer I'm gonna play. I hope I play for a while. But the fact that I've at least shown that okay, I can get here. My brothers see that, you know, and my brothers have taken that and they've used it for themselves. You know, so they can get better. You know, they're inspired every day. You know, my my brothers don't even realize how how much they inspire me at times. And one thing about them is that, I, listen, I can talk about my brothers all day. So, <laughs> one thing about them is they also understand that the work they need to put in. They understand that if they want to get to a place they need to get to, they have to put in the work, and they get that message. My brothers understand certain things now that I didn't start understanding until later on. I'm happy for them. I'm proud of them. And I know the sky's the limit for them. But they know themselves that they need, they can't stop working. And and your brother's a senior. O- Ola Kunle, am I saying that right? Ola Kunle? Yeah, you are. O- Ola Kunle is one of the 16 finalists for the Buckus Award. He's eighth in the nation in tackles. I mean, he might be coming, playing behind you in a few years uh, at linebacker. Do you guys kind of like text each other like great game? Because he's putting up numbers. He's doing on national TV, a pretty big school in Rutgers. You know, he, he might be uh, he might be making more than you one day if he's playing this well. Listen, that would be a simple. That'll be a sense of pride when that happens, you know, that, um, he better be buying dinner for you. If that's the case, bro. Dude. Oh man. Dinner, lunch, breakfast, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're going to come over and he's going to take care of me, you know? <laughs> but, uh, one thing about him is just saying, uh, my brothers that they, like I said, they, they understand, they understand that, you know, things aren't given to you. You have to work for it, you know? And, He's taking his work very seriously, you know, and he's grown from it. And he understands that, listen, he know he knows that he's never arrived. And no matter how much better you get and no matter where you go, you've never arrived because there's always a way to get better. And he and my youngest understands that. Well, you as a rookie, you didn't play a lot. And then it seemed like you really came into your own uh, in in that training camp in 2019, you really flashed, and you, you, the improvement was obvious. Watching practice every day, was there a moment for you where where it kind of felt like it clicked, so to speak, where you know you realized like, okay, like this is coming together for me at the NFL level? Yes uh, and no, you know. And I say that because uh, when I came in rookie year, um, and you know, each week, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was down each week. I wasn't active. One thing that I did, and you know, uh, Steve, you know was a big part of that was I made sure to prepare each week as if I was going to play. Taking scout team reps, taking my reps. And uh, one thing that Steve did and, you know, the vets that we had in that room, like Mike Pennell is also another one. They always critiqued me, you know, and I always had questions from them and they always critiqued me and they always had an answer for me. One thing Steve did as well was just, he just took me under and he was just like, look, this is this is what you need to do to get better. And I was like, all right, how do I do it? He showed me, you know, and I'd had more questions. He'll show me. I'd have more questions. He'll show me, you know what I'm saying? And just being able to just steady, keep working and staying consistent, I didn't realize that it was going to help me out today. And like I said, by no means am I saying I've arrived or I figured it out. You know, I understand that as a young player myself, I still got a lot of football I need to learn. But I quickly understood that at this level, your work has to speak for itself. Are you excited fully about the future of this team? Obviously, right now there's a struggle, but people are excited in a couple of things. They are excited in Joe Douglas, a, a GM here with a ton of cap space. If you don't know, the Jets have like more money than anyone to spend this offseason. Have you thought about it? Have you talked with Joe Douglas? And are you looking forward to the offseason ahead and kind of maybe putting the pieces together to try and turn this thing around? 
Listen, uh, we like I said, like I told someone else, we've been through a lot this year, um, and we have one more game to finish out, right? But I feel like with the amount of adversities that we've been through this year, it could only get better. <laughs> like the, it could really only get better, you know. And that's what excites me because, like, we've seen a lot this year, and things can only get better. So that's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm looking uh, forward forward to. I know, I know, everyone in this building is looking forward to that because we've seen a lot. We've all felt a lot and dealt with a lot. Everyone stayed consistent though and stayed on top of their work. But we all know that, look, in hard times, it can only get better. So, And that's what I'm excited for. Bully, one last one from me. Besides talking Jets uh, on this podcast, we like to talk about food a lot on here. So give me, if I'm going to Far Rockaway, I got a night in Far Rockaway, what restaurant do I have to hit in Far Rockaway? Man, it ain't about restaurants in Far Rock. It's about corner stores, man. Oh, corner stores. Okay. Corner stores, man. Um, shoot, corner stores, pizza shops, Chinese shops. Uh, listen, we just gonna have to go down there together, man. I'm just gonna have to take you to a couple places. <laughs> so you're telling you know, me the bodegas have the ultimate sandwiches in Far Rockway? I did not know that. Listen, listen, you can't go in the Queens without stepping into a bodega. Uh, yeah. You can't step every, into New York City. Place. Yeah, I mean, I, I got a ton of them here in Astoria, but you got to pick and choose the good ones because a lot of them, their sandwiches are low quality. But like, you get your snacks, you get your late night little snacks, your drinks. Yeah, um, uh, your Chinese, your, your pizza shop, your uh, man. <laughs> well, what, what's your top that. pizza spot? Mine is Amore in College Point. Do you have like a a not maybe not even in Far Rockway in New York in the city? Do you have your your top pizza joint? Do I have a top pizza joint? Not really. I've had a lot of good pizza in New York. So, and one thing me and my, my friends in high school, you know, we, <laughs> especially after practice, we would always go and find something to eat no matter where we were at. And it was, we would always get it and be like, man, it's good. You know what I mean? Let's get another one. You know, so I'm not gonna lie. I can't pinpoint exactly where. I've had my best my best foods at. All right, well, I'm going to story. We're trying to get your endorsement deal, Foley. Yeah, we're, we're, trying, we're trying to get your endorsement deal here. <laughs> we'll get you, get you an endorsement with a bodega in Far Rockaway. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, you know, Kaz is in Jersey. He doesn't know about this Queens life and the food we got here. And Jersey doesn't compare to what we – I mean, Jersey wants to think they hold the title for bagels. Get the hell out of here. I mean, New York holds the title. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, we'll have this debate off this. Yeah, we'll have it off the air. We'll, we'll throw some punches about who's got the better bagel right, and pizza. Yeah, we'll talk. Um, we'll but, talk. You know, I got the best food here in Astoria. That's why That's why I'm fat, Foley. I got a lot of weight on, on me because all the food that I eat here. Oh, man, trust me. I, I, I understand. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, you're a defensive lineman, so you could have a little bit of a gut. I'm a podcaster, a single podcaster trying to get women. So I got to cut the gut here uh, and get on my game. So uh, Foley Fadakasi, oh. yeah, man, you know you know the life here as a, as a podcaster. We got to drop the pounds here. Foley Fadakasi, follow him on Instagram, at Fatukasi. Foley, uh, great talking with you, man. Hopefully, you know, next training camp, you know, everyone's got the vaccine. We can maybe talk to you in person and maybe bring you a bodega sandwich next August. Oh, man, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me, man. All right, man. Happy New Year.
That'll say goodbye to episode 61 and 2020 on the Jeff Criswell edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out in producing the show. Subscribe to Gangs All Here on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We return for the season finale of the podcast on Monday when we recap Jets Pats, the 2020 season, and the likely Adam Gase firing. Lots to do. Happy New Year. See you in 2021. The good thing is Black Monday is coming for Adam Gase.